Well, good morning, everybody. So today we are in the second week of a teaching series here at Covenant that is entitled Gifts of Grace. And we're spending nine weeks looking at uh, a couple of verses, really, uh, that this is all based on in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul writes about what's commonly referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the Scripture passage as we begin. It's Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. Um, It's a long one. And... um, Just kind of take these words in, especially if you feel like you've heard them before. Just let them sit with you uh, in ways that are fresh. And this is what it says. Paul writes, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, what hopes, what dreams, what questions, what doubts, what opinions we all have, that we would today open our minds and our hearts to hear your gospel, hearing you speak to us in fresh ways that might actually change our lives and change our world. We're going to pray for nothing less than that today. And we pray it with hope and expectation because your spirit is with us. And we pray to that spirit and with that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we talked about last week, what what Paul kind of is doing here in in my language, uh, or at least my interpretation of it, is I think he's really clarifying what it is we want to see in our life, defining success, clarifying the win. What he says here in this passage is that these are the things that you want to see in your life. These are the things that make a life joyful. These are the things that make life abundant. It doesn't matter what age or stage of life you are. It doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert or introvert. These are the things we want to see in ourselves. These are the things we want to see in our children and in our grandchildren. These are the things we want to see in our leaders and in our world. Studies show that when you ask most people what they want or what they want for their children, they'll sit there and say, well, I, just, I want to be happy. I want my children to be happy, which is a good thing. We're not anti-happy at all. But I think what Paul would be saying is there's actually a deeper and more detailed way as Christians is understanding this. Is rather than just saying, let's be happy, you say, well, what about for us or, or for our children or for our grandchildren? What we might really want for them is to have love in their life, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You imagine that life with those things. That's a full life. That's a great life to have those things. And Paul's like, what does it mean to understand that that is what we are hoping for, and that's what we'd love to see? Make no mistake about it. That's what we are hoping to see in ourselves and in this world and in this church. So what we're doing in the series is we're looking at each one of these nine fruit, nine weeks in the series, and both talking about what does each fruit mean in the week, but also how do we cultivate it in our life? How do we see it more in our life? So we started last week with the first fruit, the fruit of love. And what we said is, is that if we want to be people who are loving in our life, we have to understand this and pursue this, and indeed a lot of the fruit of the Spirit, in a different framework than how churches normally operate. What we said is the way churches normally operate and and the way our educational system operates is kind of in the framework of know it and do it. 
is what we said, right? Know it, this is what the Bible says, and do it. So if we are defining the success as love, that's what we're supposed to do. I know that, I get the information. And this week I go do it. So I'm going to get a promotion at work, we're going to make the honor roll at school, and I am going to love this week because that is what success is, and I am doing it. And so whether you feel like it or not, I am loving this week because that is what I do. That's the win, that's success, and that's what we're doing this week. Do you feel like being loved? No? Well, guess what? It's going to happen. <laughs> In a know-it-and-do-it world, that is going to collapse before you get to lunch on Sunday. What we talked about is a different framework that might exist in this series. What we said is rather than know it and do it, it might work better to think about receive it and reflect it. That love, as the scriptures say, that we love because God first loves us. And God is the originator of love. God is the embodiment of love. And so what we invited you to do this week is to receive that. Most of the time in the church, especially if we've been going for a while, it's like, yeah, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know. Let's move on to what the next thing is. It's like, no, this week sit in that. Actively receive that. We invited you through daily scripture readings as one way of engaging and receiving and then hopefully reflecting and becoming that love this week rather than accomplishing that task. Today and this week, what we're going to talk about is the second fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy. And how it is that we both understand joy and how do we cultivate joy in our lives this week and going forward. So first off, let's define it. When Paul writes about joy, what does he mean? Well, if you're looking for a definition, the, the place you can often go, and it's, it is a good place to go for a definition, is the dictionary. And if you look up joy in Webster's Dictionary, it's going to say a kind of deep and profound happiness. It relates it to, to happiness, but it's not just being happy, according to the dictionary. It's being really, 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 really happy. And that's joy. I think the way Paul thinks about it when he talks about joy here and having in our life is more about the way C.S. Lewis describes joy. Where C.S. Lewis says he's not an anti-happy person too. Lewis was in favor of happiness. Covenant's in favor of happiness. We're all on board with happiness. But Lewis says that when what we say is we want happiness and we think that being really happy is joy, we're missing it. Because happiness, Lewis says, is being dependent on external circumstances in our world going well. And so when we say what I most want is to be happy or what I most want is my children to be happy, Lewis would say that that's something that you're like, your biggest desire for you and your children, you're acknowledging up front, they will not have a lot of the time and they also really aren't in control of it. Because it's determinant on external, when you are sad or going through tragedy, you're not happy. Lewis says that what lies beneath happiness, what's more profound than happiness, he says, is joy. And the way he defines joy, and the way I want us to think about it today and this week, is that joy, he says, is the presence of purpose. The presence of purpose. That every single one of you is on this earth at this time in human history in this place for a reason. Not one of you is here by accident. And to understand and to be able to articulate, this is why I believe God created me. This is why I believe I'm alive. This is the purpose that I live in as much as I can every day. The more we can articulate that and the more that we can live into it every day, he's like, that purpose is joy. And you can have joy in your life when things are really hard. You can have joy in your life when you're not necessarily happy. You can have joy in your life when God is stretching you in this world for what you're supposed to be because we can continue to live into purpose. 
Joy, he says, is the presence of purpose. Now, to understand how we cultivate that, rather than doing what we normally do, which is saying, so, so how do you go pursue joy individually or as a family? I want us to take a different kind of approach today by starting rather than individually, by starting communally. Because I think if we could understand what it means for us as a community to have joy, to know our purpose, to live in that purpose more and more, then we might be able to do it collectively and also then begin to live it out more and more individually ourselves. So we're going to start with the communal, communal way of understanding joy. And by community, I mean this church. What does it mean for this church to define and to pursue and cultivate joy? What is our purpose? That's a hard thing for a lot of churches right now in this country. We've talked about this before. I am not going to go through it in detail again. But we are in a time of steep decline in the church in North America. Really, it's over 90% of churches are, are, are um, shrinking, uh, are getting smaller, and there is more anxiety in those churches. That's across denominations. That's non-denominational churches. That's pretty much everybody. And it's not slowing down. Millennials are leaving the church faster than any generation we've ever seen. So this, this, this decline is not going to slow down soon. It's going to speed up, and it's going to keep speeding up. And in the anxiety, many churches are forgetting about joy in that because in their anxiety about whether we're going to exist or where are the young people or everything else, what they're doing is like, well, we just got to keep operating. And, and what would happen if, if our doors closed? And, and oh, my gosh, what is this going to mean? And so we've got to find people, and we've got to grow, and we've got to figure out how to get young people here, and, and we've got to do evangelism. And by evangelism, we really don't mean evangelism because we don't mean really wanting you to see Jesus. We mean you coming to our church to keep our church open and going, which is not evangelism, it's closer to manipulation. We want you to come here to help us. Joy is the presence of purpose. Why do we exist? What's the purpose of a church? I've used this before, but a mentor of mine, Steve Hayner, used to say that the church is an airport, not the destination. And it's really important for churches to remember that. There are plenty of people who traveled to Austin this weekend. Austin Bergstrom Airport is essential to the city of Austin thriving. But nobody in their right mind was like, I have got to get me back to Austin Bergstrom Airport because that is the place to be. Nobody in their right mind was like, what are we going to do on a Saturday afternoon? Let's go hang out in the South Terminal. It's been a while. Let's just go kind of spend the afternoon there and see what's going on. We're the airport, Steve said, not the destination. You see, a city can't thrive without us. But here's the thing. We are not the big idea. At no point in us becoming debt-free and in everything else happening is God going, congratulations, y'all win. That's it. That's what you're supposed to do. Or as Daryl Guder said, to understand even better, why do we exist? What's our purpose? What is joy? He says that the reason covenants here is to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin. And to the world beyond, we exist so that the city and this world look different because we're here. That's more than just focusing on the what do we do and how do we do it. It's on, it's on, it's on the bigger question. And to understand that is the process of moving towards joy. Now, when we think about this church, I want to talk about us for a second um, as we think about joy. We're seeing some fruit of that in some really cool ways. 
As you know, we're not in a time of decline. We actually have been growing. We had 54 new people that went through a membership class over in September. They had an opportunity to join today. If any of you joined, genuinely welcome. We are, uh, we are glad that you're here and understand the values of this place and, and, and where we're going and, and the vision we believe God has for us. Um, uh, but what's really exciting about this being this love letter idea, some evidence we see that good things are happening, is that that growth is unique. In, the last, in recent years of all the growth we've had, we've been looking at the data, and, and 67% of the growth in recent years comes from people who were not members of a church before coming here, which is an absolutely astounding statistic, because it means that we're making inroads into the majority Austin culture, and I'm not even totally clear as to why. But the city, it, see, there's a difference in kingdom growth and church swapping, and we are seeing kingdom growth that is taking place here. And that is exciting. On top of that, when we talk about being a love letter, not only is the gospel going out in different ways, but we are seeing that the biggest beneficiary of, of, of healthy operating budgets have been our missions. We haven't just been spending it on ourselves primarily. We've primarily been giving it away, giving it away to mission partners in Austin and around the world, people who are in the trenches, people where justice is happening, people where reconciliation is happening, people that we want to be saying, we're in this with you. We've hired a new mission director this year, and I know it technically falls under the personnel part of the budget, but it's not about personnel. It's the mission committee going, this is what we need. We don't just want to throw money at the problem. We want to throw people at the problem, and we need a staff person to help us. And our biggest goal for 2020, and you all will decide if this happened, is that we want our mission director position to go from part-time to full-time, because we want to lean further into that, because this is the kind of place we want to be. We think it keeps us in touch with our purpose. They think it's the path towards joy in our life together. There are also some challenges in this time. And, and my personality is I could talk to you for two and a half hours on the challenges. I think about that a whole lot more than anything else. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But of the many challenges that we could sit in and stew in for a long time, one of the challenges that we're facing that, that, that could rob us of our joy is that we are currently as a church getting too large for how we do Sunday mornings here at Covenant on this campus. Two of our four services, this being one, are almost weekly over the threshold of what studies show that people come in and feel like it's too busy and there's no room for them and wind up leaving, and that's if you can find a parking place or where the shuttle goes to. And so we have to figure out, what do we do in that? And the reason that can rob us of our joy, and this is really important, because joy can get taken from us individually or communally when we're in good seasons, is because, number one, if we don't address this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to curb our momentum, and we don't want that to happen. But what really concerns me and what I think about is that, is that the, the reason this could rob us of our joy is because the natural response of the leadership in a church or in any organization when that happens is to go inward in their focus, right? We've got this problem. We've got to solve it. So we're going to put our resources and our energy into solving this problem so that our brand can continue to get bigger and covenant can continue to have these things happen, which is important. But the moment all of our time and energy and effort is going into trying to solve that problem, what are we not talking anymore about? How to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin, which is why we're here in the first place. And no matter what, by taking our eye off that ball, it is a slippery slope in a direction that I'm not certain we want to go. 
So Session's been asking the question, staff's been asking the question and praying about, so what do we do? How do you solve a problem without it being the main thing that your leadership spends its time and energy and resources on? And we found some inspiration. Not from the world of the church, but from the business world. It's a model of thinking about organizations and development that some of you may have have heard of before. It's being talked about some. Uh, And it's a model of thinking about our life that I think leads us more and more towards joy. It's a model called dual transformation. And rather than trying to tell you what it is, I'm just going to try to tell you a story about it because I think it, it comes to makes sense more that way. And the story is about a little startup organization that we feel like holds some promise called Netflix. Netflix started like any innovative company, which is that it started to address the pain point in the current business model that entertainment was operating at. Uh, Probably some of you remember Blockbuster Video. Uh, Blockbuster Video was Beth and my rockin' Friday night before we had kids because we'd go there and we'd walk through the store to choose a movie that were on the shelves and we'd pick one and we'd argue about which one. It was really good for our marriage. And then we would compromise by getting two because we could get two. And then we'd watch them over the course of the weekend and at the end of the weekend, you'd return the movie to the store, hopefully, unless you forgot. And then if you forgot to return the movie on time, there were these late fees that would start building up. And Blockbuster's business model was based on the fact that there were enough people like us who didn't get the movies back on time that late fees accounted for a big percentage of their profit. So this startup company starts up Netflix saying, how do we address that pain point? If we can solve the late fee thing, then we would become a really viable business, we believe. And so they started mailing DVDs, which... Some of the students here have no idea what they are. They're these little discs that you can put in, right? And these DVDs, and they were small enough that they could mail them out. And so Netflix didn't start on the internet like we think about it, streaming. They started by mailing you DVDs. All you had to do was pay a monthly subscription. Some of you early adapters probably did this. You you signed up, they would mail it to you, you'd have like a monthly fee, and you could keep the movie as long as you wanted. If you returned it two hours later, perfect. They'd mail you another one from the catalog. But if you kept it all month, you just kept it for the same price and there were no late fees to it, and that addressed the pain point, and as quickly as Blockbuster sprang up, today my children have never experienced it or know what it is. It's an amazingly rapid decline. Now what's cool about Netflix and what we've been talking about is that Netflix could have gotten really proud of itself, the fact that their business model worked, but what they said is, is that we didn't exist to become the best DVD mailing company in the world. We existed to revolutionize the way entertainment happened. So what if, rather than just becoming as good as we can at this model that's working, what if we take a good percentage of our profit and put it into developing the idea that's going to put us out of business? And so Netflix put a lot of their profit into developing this new technology called streaming on the internet, which is how we think about Netflix. And so Netflix 1.0 put Blockbuster out of video, uh, video out of business, and Netflix 2.0 put Netflix out of business. But Netflix didn't stop there. They then took their profit from streaming and they put it into um, content production. And so now when you watch the Oscars or the Emmys, so many of the series that we love didn't come out of Hollywood and are streamed on Netflix, but they're Netflix content created. And so Netflix 3.0 has put Netflix 2.0 out of business, which puts Netflix 1.0 out of business, which put Blockbuster out of business. And so what we've said 
And what I'm so excited that the leadership of this church has said at our August meeting is, is we don't want to be the best DVD mailing religious organization in Austin. Just because our trends are different, the world around us is changing rapidly. As we talked about last week, the primary question non-Christians are asking in Austin is no longer, is Christianity true? It's, is Christianity good? The world is changing quickly around us, and if we just retrench and retrench and retrench in mailing DVDs better than anyone else, sooner or later we walk ourselves into irrelevance. And we quit effectively living into our joy of effectively communicating and loving our neighbors. So Session in their August meeting made two very important decisions that I think leads us towards joy. The first is they said that we've got to solve this configuration of how Sunday morning works on campus. And so we have set aside and kind of deputized in Texas language a task force to work on this. And if you've been in the church for a while, your eyes just rolled that there's a task force that's appointed for this. But this is not one of those things that's going to in seven years come back with a thought. This group is people who work on properties. They work on uh, architecture. They are working on this weekly and meeting weekly. And they are reporting back with some of their initial perspectives and ideas at our October meeting in a few weeks. This is moving quickly to figure out how do we continue to be able to thrive on this campus. But what Session did is said, while this task force is doing this hugely important work and working on that, our time and energy is going to stay on the why we're here. Our time and energy is going to wonder what it is the church of tomorrow in a city like Austin really might look like. And so this weekend, we have spent a ton of time and energy trying to put the framework around what some of that might look like. We've had a retreat over the last 24 hours. And to get ready for that retreat, staff and elders from Covenant have spent the last month doing surveys around the city of Austin, asking questions about what are the pain points in Austin and what's going on in this city and how is it that maybe the core, healthy, God-centered, kingdom-oriented DNA of Covenant might uniquely intersect with some of these pain points in this city that we love and that God loves. And what would that look like if we really put our time and effort and energy and resources into thinking about that, doing that under the Mission Institute, which we've created. The Mission Institute being the kind of thing that, that it's a, a way institutionally for us to be creative here, because churches are not great at entrepreneurial thinking and creativity. Not because we don't want to be, but because when an idea starts, we're like, well, no, who's your committee, and what's your budget, and who's your session liaison, and what committee do you report to? And we just strangle it with our systems. And so we've created the institute to be a place where just creativity can, can start bubbling up and we can start seeing what things might look like and learning while that's taking place. And we looked at these surveys and we looked at what the pain points were of Austin and what we could do. And I do want you to know that we have no idea how to solve traffic. <laughs> I just need you to know that up front. As our consultant said, he went to seminary and he's like, but we didn't take city planning or urban development while we were there. So that one, somebody else is going to have to take care of that one. But there were some things that were mentioned over and over and over again of people in the city of Austin noticing things like the difficulty of the cost of living here and how more and more people, especially more and more people who don't have certain jobs are being forced out of the city and changing the fabric of who we are. And is that what the kingdom of God really looks like? 
There were people who were talking about the difficulty of upward mobility and the economic barriers that exist in the city. There were people who mentioned over and over again segregation and racism in the city. There were people who mentioned homelessness in the city. And so we took all of that and started asking what our core DNA has to do with it and with this consultant. Have you ever heard of a consultant coming in and not working on us on how to get the children's program bigger? Like, we pay consultants to help us become, we don't, our children's ministry is trying to figure out what to do with all the kids. What we were doing is saying, no, what we want to do is figure out how to be this love letter in different ways. And we, we wrote a lot, and we talked a lot, and we prayed, and we debated some things, and we wrote some more, and we threw some things away, and we argued about some stuff. And what emerged from this 24 hours are two prototypes, two new things that we are going to start fanning the flames of, that we think the Holy Spirit might be doing something in. And there's so much in their infancy stages, I really can't even articulate totally what they are yet because I don't have the business proposal yet, and we're not certain what it's going to morph into, and we're really excited about it, and we just want to fan the embers of this. But my bet is in the weeks and months to come, you are going to start hearing about these prototypes and hopefully others coming along, and we believe that they are creatively addressing kingdom-oriented issues in this city, and we think when we start rolling them out and you all get involved and we see these things, that the reaction of people both in this church and outside of this church is going to be, oh my gosh, that is so cool. That is so amazing. And churches don't do that. That's not the category that churches are supposed to be in. And we're saying we're doing it because we believe that's what it means to be a love letter in the world that Austin is becoming. And we don't want to be the best DVD mailing church in this city. We want to lean into the new thing that God is at work doing. It is going to be, it is going to be amazing. I have no idea if these two things are going to work. I love that we're trying. As we close, if you're sitting there going, this is fascinating. I don't really know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I have no idea what this has to do with me having joy, which I would like to have in my life this week. And I thought we were coming back to that. If the connections are hard to make, that's our fault. And maybe it's my fault. Because it means that we've done a bad job of teaching what church is. This is the why covenant exists. To be a love letter from God to the city of Austin. Our church. What is that word? This is not a church. This is a building. We are a church that has multiple buildings on their campus, but this is not a church. A church is not a denomination. A church is not an institution. The biblical word ecclesia that means church are people. Meaning that when we say that covenant exists to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin, yes, that's committees, and yes, that's budget resources, and yes, that's initiatives, and yes, that's things our session and staff are going to be doing. But at its core, what it means is that that is why you exist. That you are on this earth at this time in human history for a reason. And that while you have different gifts and different personalities and different ways of doing things, and we celebrate that, that if you are going to have joy in your life, it falls under the banner of being a love letter from God wherever you live, work, and play. And so this week, 
may we as a congregation, may we as a community, and may we as individuals and as families choose joy, choose purpose. And as we do so, what a magnificent ride lies ahead. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that this week, that this day, that we would be a people of joy, that we would seek purpose, that we would seek to live deeply. We pray for your blessings to be upon this community, this congregation, as we seek to stay focused in this time on the why we are here, not just on the what do we do. And I pray that that becomes something that each of us and our families, that we lean towards joy, that we lean towards the why we're here, and that we could spread out around this city and around this country and around this world this week, seeking to be a love letter from you to all those whom we encounter. Lead us, guide us, help us to see people that we can reach out to and love and serve this week. And may we experience deeper joy, great joy in our lives and in our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.